Amen. Good morning. You want everyone to stand up. We'll get a stretch in. Get that body moving. Get that body. I was. I came in this morning singing head, shoulders, knees, and toes. I was jokingly saying we should just all sing head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Do like Sunday morning calisthenics. But I'm honored to be here. I am blessed. This is my family. You guys are such family to me. Um, James. Oh, sorry. James and Abby are moving away. It makes me very sad. They uh, When we were about to get married, James and Abby were kind of our accountability partners and really ministered into our life. So, yes, I'm not going to cry now, and I'll pray for you guys at the end, and we'll cry then. Uh, <laughs> but I'm honored to be here. Can we just, I'm just going to pray. Can we stand together and just pray in, in agreement? Uh, Jesus, we thank you for this morning, Father. Holy Spirit, we come ask you to move amongst our, uh, our midst, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask, just pour out your spirit in this valley, Father. Lord, we ask for that many people will be ekbalod from this house, Father. There will not just be Joanna and me, but there will be many more that will touch the nations, Jesus, out of this house, Father. Lord, you said that from the rising into the setting of the sun, my name will be great, and there will be a song in every tribe and tongue, Father. Lord, even through the turmoil and the change of the world that you said the gospel will go towards the ends of the earth, and then I will come back, Father. Hey, Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. And Father, I just ask, even as I'm sharing this morning, that your spirit will just touch hearts, encourage hearts, give strength this morning, Jesus. And we bless you, Jesus. Thank you, guys. You guys can sit down. Good morning. Good morning. I'll try not to keep you here too long. Um, Plus, Joanna only has like 30 minutes of content, I think, so she's going to be like, two hours later, she's like, Caleb, get done. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just give a little update of, uh, there's the clicker, right? How's it work? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, sorry. Oh, we're not doing women's group. Oh, children's ministry. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so Joanna and me work for an organization called Maps Global. It's Mission and Prayer. Uh, to give a little history, Joanna and me met each other here. Uh, we both met each other at Randy Clark's Ministry School. I came up to Pennsylvania, and I saw this cute red-headed girl in my class. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to start hanging out with her. And lo and behold, I got married to her. And then uh, started coming to this house during that season. That was like almost a two-year season. Um, Steve married us off. And then from there, we moved to Richmond, Virginia to assist at a house of prayer. It was a small community. We had probably like 40 people in our community for about five years. Really, I mean, we'd have citywide things, but just the coordinate of people was about 40 people. And we would pray a lot. And we asked, we'd actually, in particular, it was interesting, we'd pray this Isaiah 19. There's this lady I work with, Sherry Moore. And she's like, there's this, the Spirit of the Lord is really calling us to pray for Isaiah 19. And I'm like, that's a, okay, that's interesting. We'll do that. And she's kind of got us into that realm. So we started praying for Isaiah 19 for four or five years. And Isaiah 19... This is not part of anything I want to share, but it's pretty much in the grand scheme. It's a prophetic word that there will be a highway of praise from Egypt uh, through Israel and Assyria and that whole region, um, which if you know anything about that region of the world, there has been uh, a <laughs> brokenness uh, in those relationships for thousands and thousands of years since the Bible. And the, at the end of the age, the Lord will bring a highway of praise and unity because uh, of his goodness. And we are praying into that region for years. And we believe that we had this like funny prophetic word that there'll be a reflection of the Isaiah 19 in Richmond, Virginia. And we're like, okay, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, it's green and tree here. There's nothing reflective about Richmond, Virginia. I'll just say that about the Middle East. 
Um, but as we're praying, there's this organization in Fredericksburg, Virginia that was in transition and they're praying about places to go. And the Lord highlighted Richmond, Virginia. And we had a lot of prophetic things happen. And they said, you know what, we're going to move down here to Richmond. Um, and they had about a staff of five people. So it was a small organization when they came. Um, and it was just Sherry Moore and me and our little small community of prayer. And since then, which is that was in 2019, we have expanded a lot. Um, we have about 50 people overseas right now and about almost 50 um, in Richmond. Um, so it's completely expanded from about less than 10 to now nearly 100 people that are actively involved with us. We have a Sunday morning expression that we have a small little warehouse space because we're in the same place we were in. We just keep on trying to make it bigger and nicer and it's about as maxed out as it can get. We have 135 chairs, and we typically have about 150 to 160 people come. So it's uh, very um, packed out. That's our Sunday morning expression. Then from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, we, night, we just look at Jesus, and we worship him. We're a house of prayer. We, do, we believe in the Davidic order of worship. So, yeah, that is, like, what we're doing. Joanna and me in particular. Ooh, that's a pretty slide. Okay, sorry, I'm getting used to this thing. Um, Joanna and me in particular, our primary assignment is we steward the family. We steward our community. Um, we are on the community team. So what that means is about the 100 and probably 200 some people that are in our ethos or in our, are really tightly in our community. We create community. We pastor. We, we love on people. We do a lot of stuff like that. So we built out a uh, living rooms, which is our small group program. So we have about four living rooms uh, that we built out um, for a small group to create family in our community. Um, we do front porches, which is like pretty much the fun time of going out to a park and playing cornhole or, uh, or horseshoe or something like that, basketball or soccer. We have intense soccer games. So um, we still love each other after the soccer games. Um, we're hopefully keeping the love on, but sometimes after the game, it's like we just have to give a little hug afterwards. It's just like... We love you. But uh, so we do a lot of family activity, family care. That's primary. Joanna is very heavy on that. Then also I do a lot of operations. So, oh, yeah, this is a little thing. This is our first one of our, this is our small little warehouse. There's like a little balcony above there that fits like 50 people. And then here's a little bottom space that we have. And uh, this is when we're launching. All those people are kind of our small group leaders that we were launching last, earlier this um, this semester or whatnot after in January. So yeah. Um, yes. And we have our Sunday morning expression is our fam MAPS family gathering, which we're actually changing the name to just to be MAPS. Uh, just part. We're getting rid of MAPS family gathering. We're saying it's just going to be MAPS, um, essentially MAPS on Sunday morning. Um, but we steward the Sunday morning and the people that the Lord is bringing towards us. So that is our central and primary task that we do right now. Um, I do operations also, so I do a little everything. I float around. They called, pretty much put me on a little bit of every team, but um, largely because I just have a lot of history. Um, we've been in Richmond a lot longer than a lot of them. But I do a lot of the operations. This last year, um, we did, figured out that our lease would be up in our facility, which was not a big deal in the sense that we are totally maxing it out. Um, so we pursued getting this one building that was two blocks down the road called McTavish. Um, and we had this big annual gathering, which is when we have pretty much anyone in that's overseas, they come overseas, come visit us, and we have like 250 people in this 150-person room. 
and we just worship Jesus for a week and get exhausted. But we're excited. We're like, oh, we got this new building two blocks down the road. It's three times the size of what we have right now, which we're at like 12,000 square feet. So it's 30-some thousand square feet. We're like, the Lord is on this. It was great. And we did a tour with all of our um, board members and everything. We're showing them, hey, this is it. This is going to be this location. Get through the whole building. And then two days later, um, they, we get called back up by the people. And they're like, never mind. We're not going to give it to you, essentially. We don't want a church in this facility is pretty much what they said to us. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Well, how are we going to announce that to the church? Uh, <laughs> um, and our timeline was starting to get This was... Uh, in August, and if you have any understanding of commercial real estate, we, we have to be out. We were supposed to be out um, last month, actually. The Lord has extended our lease, and so we are still in the facility and doing, I'll tell you the rest of the stories. But so, um, yeah, we end up not getting that building. We get a prophetic word that we will own land in Richmond during that week. Before Actually, before we show the building, one of our guest speakers says, the Lord is going to give you land. And we're like, well, maybe in five years. That's great. Um, but the building fell through, um, and so we started pursuing buildings, and we're not able to get anything. Richmond is essentially a very fast market. It's a very great city to live in, I guess. It's really growing, which is awesome. Um, so we were not able to get any facilities, but the Lord brought us to this really large, very large, um, about 70,000-plus square foot church building in the north side of the city. Uh, Randy jokingly says, I walked through it and said, this is too big. It's not nice. It's not great let's not do it. It's too much. And then the next day, someone came up to us and essentially said, you know, I feel the Lord is telling me to give to you. And Randy, the Holy Spirit highlights Randy and say, I need to ask for the down payment on that building I don't like. So he's like, you know, do you want to give us $500,000 for this new beautiful campus? Um, and she said, yes. So we were given a $500,000 gift for the down payment on this building which is awesome, but also this is a $3 million building. We're only a community of 200 people, so it's like, you know, it's a lot for what we're stepping into, to say the least. Um, we still have to get financial approval for the rest of the thing, so we ended up start going to get going to banks, starting to do the work to say, okay, hey, like, can we get approved for a loan to get in here? We went to 20 banks. Um, they all said no, and then on the last day of our ability on due diligence period to essentially get a building, in the evening, a bank calls us that we never talked to and says, you know what, I'll, we'll give you the rest of the money for the building. We're like, okay, we love you, have a good night. <laughs> like, it was very like, okay, okay, great. And, and Randy actually says, like, we love you. Well, we actually need like five million for renovation. And they're like, well, we can work on some of that. And just like, so... <laughs> we're kind of living at Sherry Moore says it's like this is that you know those you go through life and you're like you know I'm seeing that this is what I want to see or this is the word of God and we're kind of in this place where in this community where it's like those things that were said for a generation really of generations it's like we're stepping into that this is that moment that God said would happen and it's very sobering and very like oh wow this is in interesting um Pretty much, I so my job partially is to move us into this building. I am uh, fully doing the transition for our organization to this facility. Um, this week was a very busy week for me because we started all construction. So I had like five contractors I was leading, and we did like AHOD work days to clean it out this week. So I've been running around like crazy this week starting construction there, essentially. Um, but it's a beautiful 60,000 square foot church facility. If you want to like look at it in more detail, just go to our Facebook, go to any of our social media. You'll see we have whole videos of it made and stuff like that. 
Um, Randy gives a lot of cool tours. But we're really believing that one of the prophetic words that we've received that the Lord would establish this as one of the primary sending centers on the East Coast of America, um, which is a sobering thing, but it's the, we're seeing God moving in ways that we were not really. A few years ago, beginning of COVID, we were a community of about 10 staff members just kind of doing what we're doing, and the Lord is multiplying us abundantly, and it's very, very interesting, um, to say the least. Um, that's all I can say about that. Um, but the Lord has been moving extravagantly. We've been seeing many salvations. Ooh, that's a cool picture. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, we've been seeing many salvations. Overseas, the gospel is running swiftly. This is extremely powerful. Every week we connect with uh, some of our overseas guys, just give them encouragement, and uh, we have people coming and going. So we have a lot of conversations with people. Um, and the Lord is moving mightily. Um, at our Middle East base, which is where Joanna and me went to last year for quite a few months, um, recently uh, one of our guys there, I want to say names and places, but I'm like, keep on, I have to not. Um, there's this man that came into the, the house of prayer, essentially, and he pretty much said he had a vision of this man leading him up a hill, and it pretty much looked like the man of Jesus, holding his arm, pulling him up this mountain and to this place to get baptized. And he's a Muslim man. He doesn't really have any context of that. Um, but he's like, I feel like, you know, maybe this is a Christian thing. So it ends up going into our meeting with some of our guys in our community because of certain relationships, knew the connection. Um, they were sharing the gospel with him and describing Jesus. And he's like, that's the man I saw in the dream, which is super incredible. And this is a common story. It's kind of sobering in our community that almost every week we have an update of some miraculous movement of God, essentially touching lives. Jesus is jealous for the nations of the earth and he is looking to and throw for hearts and he's revealing himself and we're just stepping kind of into just a little bits of his story and it's an honor it's a beautiful honor um the cool thing though a couple weeks ago he they walk up they actually say he says i really do want to get baptized so he's like uh don't say the name uh sorry i just says like yeah let's go down to um near the dead sea into a wadi and uh, take a hike up a mountain to this spring. And so they end up doing that, and they go up to the, through this wadi, and then they get into this wadi, which a wadi means a valley, and then they start going up the mountainside towards this uh, spring uh, spring to get baptized. And as he's doing it, the young fellow's like, this is the exact same mountain in my dream that the Lord was bringing me up to be baptized. And he didn't know. I mean, he's just going to, up some random wadi. And Rian was just, like, standing in front of him, walking him up, and he's like, and you look so much, like, it's just like, this is a complete reflection of the dream. Um, so it's just these beautiful stories of Jesus redeeming, restoring, healing. Um, last week in our house of prayer in Eurasia, there's this atheist guy that comes into the house of prayer. Essentially, they kind of make fun of it, actually, because he somehow got connected in a way that he knew about it. And he's like, oh, this is probably really stupid. Goes in there. And they start worshiping. And the presence of the Lord hits him so hard. He says, like, he's for his broken translation essentially my brain got slapped by the lord <laughs> and he instantly said my brain got slapped and i knew i knew that jesus was real and he gave his life and now he's like fully engaged in our community in the levant which is a small nation next to uh israel um is another one of our uh, we have a team there right now working with a, and it's about to probably be one of our bases there but they just last, last week, one of our guys got back, and they're telling me about how 
that a young fellow that was addicted to drugs, they pretty much went to intervene with him because um, his life was at risk, and the Holy Spirit encountered him, touched his life. They were able to share the gospel with him. They able to walk with him. Now he's fully, within a month, now fully engaged in the community and is actually inviting his atheist friends into the community. And uh, so it's just these beautiful stories. Uh, you know, we went to Iraq earlier. Some of our team, we didn't go, join me, didn't go this time. And uh, they have this little, like, cheesy website thing. It really is a like, pretty cheesy website thing where they, uh, on Facebook, where they just share the gospel, essentially. And has such a high response that they have hired four local people to able to respond to the messages and share the gospel with them just because so many people are responding to and it's funny it's not like if you looked at it, you'd be like some like funny picture of jesus you know not it's not like anything you would think that's like oh this is it's just basic gospel um basic you know basic stuff um so we're seeing god move mightily um in the nations and in Richmond too. I mean, we have this uh, Friday night meeting we do once a month. It's called First Fridays, and it's kind of more of our more public opportunity. And I was helped did worship at one of them last week, and uh, I was I remember literally just sitting there, and uh, I just said, "Wow!" Because there was a moment where uh, towards the end of worship, we we're just starting to minister, and there was such a you know, you kind of have these moments where, like, this is revival. You know, this is like you read about Catherine Coleman or you see, you read about stories of revival or, or the Holy Spirit moving out. And I, you, I was, like, sitting there. And I I mean, I'm up, my upbringing, I mean, this house is full of spirit. I've been, went through Randy Clark's school, really have experienced the move of God in many times. My life has been marked by it. Um, but there's something unique where I'm like, the Lord is here um, we've starting, we had a testimony about a couple weeks ago. A lady got healed from cancer in our midst. Um, we had a, one of the fellows at our school, he had a blood disorder, and he was totally healed, and now he's going on the mission field because the Lord encountered him so much. Um, we're just having healing after healing. The Lord is doing what he does. He re- heals, restores, and delivers. So it's been... It's been exciting. It's been very exciting in some ways. It's also been, oh, yeah, there's our, that's another view of our house of prayer. That's a Sunday morning expression, just so you guys have a little. Most of our shots are blurred because half of the community is um, kind of missionaries to the Middle East, and they come in and out, so we don't have a lot of great pictures of our base. Um, But the Lord has been moving mightily. Um, It's been a lot of change, though. Change is hard. I like, who here likes change? I'm just curious. Oh, wow, Steve, okay. He's an Enneagram 7 probably. Uh, <laughs> are you? <laughs> you are? That's great. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, no one likes change. Sorry, Steve. Um, <laughs> no, I. for me, I do not like change. I am, uh, I'm not a big fan of change, and sometimes the amount of change that's been happening, it's exciting. You can see the word of, you know, you see Jesus moving mightily. But it's really hard. Like, it really is hard at the same time. There's this tension of not having comfort. Even in our midst, we're such like, we have this like revolving door community, essentially. We're asking the Lord. We're praying all the time. Lord, ekbalo people into the nations. And ekbalo means to violently push people out of their comfort zone into the nations. You know, it's the same word that was used for deliverance in other parts. And as a community, we're saying like, Lord, ekbalo people. And it's your best friend next to you that you've gotten close to for the last six months gets touched by the Lord and then is gone in two months, you know, 
that's some it's very exciting because you see the gospel working and it's like but then there's also that tension of like oh, that kind of sucks like you know oh, i mean now i gotta get another friend i guess no i mean you know it's just that there's a tension of learning how to deal with change and there's a lot of value in getting your values right <laughs> that it's uh we all have our whys. I mean, and it, there's a lot of good whys. There's a lot of bad whys. I mean, I like be, to be comfortable, and comfortable is not always a bad why, but sometimes, like, comfort can be a bad why, you know. you, um, Or there's that common, like, the YOLO, you only live life once, that, like, statement that's made. So we just kind of do a why of pleasure, you know. We just live for pleasure, and we uh, – need to take account of our why in life. It's a very valuable. It helps drive us. It helps keep you centered. And often when you start getting really busy, like we're super busy, like this last week, I probably did like 60 to 70 hours of just active, busy work along with driving here, dealing with kids and all that stuff. Um, and you can get that busyness and on top of like just pastoring through people. So I'm like very busy sometimes. Um, you got to like take those times to slow down, Lord. Like, what is my why? Why are we doing this? Um, yeah, and I know it's like as I was praying for our trip up to here, you know, I was just asking, Lord, like, Holy Spirit, what, what do you want to impart? What do you want to give? And I really felt like, you know, you guys are about to endure some change. I mean, James and Abby have been here. How long, is, how long have you guys been there? Man, we're getting old. I'm sorry. You're, I'm getting old. You guys are you're young forever. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, after 12 years of ministry, you're having a major part of your family move, and there's a massive change to that. And I know in a life cycle of a church, every seven years they say culture shifts and changes in, the, in a church community. Um, and I remember about seven years ago, Joy and me got married, and there's some major cultural shifts that were happening at that seven-year mark, and this is another seven-year mark, which I don't think is actually, I think that might be the hand of the Lord a little bit, saying, like, hey, I want to establish this new part of culture. This is what a new thing. And during those seasons of change and transition, it is super valuable to slow down, take a moment, and say, hey, what is, why am I doing this? Why? Why? Um, you know, I was just sharing a lot of these cool testimonies and all that stuff, but that stuff, like, doesn't really give the, I mean, it's encouraging for sure, but on the day-to-day, -day, that will only give you enough fuel for like six hours, even sometimes not. Like, you really got to keep that, why am I doing this? Why are we moving? Why are we doing all this? And so I kind of wanted to get into one of our personal whys and one of our maps whys to give you encouragement. I know Hillside's going to have different whys to a point, but this is going to be a universal why. And it's the, our primary why is the worth of Jesus. Um, Jesus is so valuable. I mean... We have a why of, I have a personal why of family. Like one of my primary whys in life is to steward family that looks upon Jesus. Um, and there's all these good whys, but the primary why of life is to gaze upon him and to look upon him. We say that the, Randy says, let me see if I can find it. Um, um, Randy says that it's the fuel and the finish line of all prayer and missions. It's this Jesus, the worth of Jesus. You can go to the mission field with the zeal and excitement for, like, the gospel and stuff, but the beauty of Jesus was what will sustain you. And that's how we train a lot of any of our missionaries. We give them one of the first modules we do is Christology, which is essential. We're just looking at this man, Jesus, and we just sit there and say, hey, 
we think we know this a little part of Jesus. This is like just one tiny molecule percentage of Jesus that we know about. Um, let's look at it together. And then we look at it for a couple hours. And then every day at noon, we do this rhythm of life, the light Geo, where at 8 a.m. we join and go all into the prayer room. We sit before Jesus. And then every day at noon, we hold off our lunch for an hour and we sit before Jesus and we pray and worship. So we spend the morning with a lot of our students. We'll talk about Jesus and we'll say, okay, now, now that we just talked about that, let's gaze at him. And it's the best way to create fuel for, cha- for people to keep moving into missions or to grow in love and life for Christ. Um, so today I just want to give a little bit of like a little dose of our why of the passion or, or of the worth of Jesus to give some fuel for you guys to go through some change. We want to, I just want to pretty much just sit here and just gaze at Jesus together. Who's want to gaze, gaze at Jesus for a few minutes? Amen. Hey, sorry, I got a little Holy Spirit shiver there. Hey, thank you, Jesus. He's so good. Uh, yeah, so what does uh, make something worth or value is the quantity of something or the uniqueness, uh, the quality, which is the beauty and demand, and longevity and performance. A lot of you people that, that have gray hair in here, you guys have a lot of beauty based off the longevity, the performance, and the uniqueness of your life. And all of us, there is a value to you all. But there is this man, Jesus, that we're about to just talk about. I'm just going to pretty much expositionally go through some scripture and say, take, like, there is no one more quali- quality or unique, no one more beautiful, no one more longevity and performance. <laughs> Jesus is the most. Um, and when we start looking at this most worth person, it will start wrecking you. Um, it wrecks me. I just even preparing this, I was like, well, hopefully this is good. And then I was just going through the scripture. I'm like, the word preaches for itself. So today, if you guys want to open your Bible, we're mostly going to just be in Revelation um, 4 and 5. Um, if you guys ever read Revelation, uh, is a amazing book. Um, it's written by John the Beloved. Um, he was exiled on Patmos at this time and going through a lot of turmoil, to say the least, and he has this open vision of heaven. And it's actually said that if you ever read the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, that John was most likely written after. A lot of people think that John was written after this encounter, which is really interesting. It makes you view the book of John differently because he had this full revelation in the book of Revelation, and then he goes back and is like, I just need to write the story of Jesus, essentially. So it's uh, interesting. But we're going to look at Revelation 4 and five, and just kind of go through this systematically. Um, so yeah, um, we could just start reading. I'm just going to go start at nine. Um, well, we'll start. I'll start at eight. It's not up there, but um, essentially in chapter four is John is sitting on Patmos and he has his open vision, and it says like a trumpet behind him, and yet once he was in the spirit and he saw the throne of heaven. And then you kind of go through here, and it's a ridiculous encounter. The crazy thing is, it's just a tiny little glimpse. This weak man, John, just had this little, little glimpse of this infinite God. And if you just read this description, it's, like, insane. It's these creatures, like in chapter 8, or verse 8, there's four living creatures, and each one of them, they have six wings. And these wings are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, like, these creatures are ridiculous. They're, they literally have eyeballs in their <laughs> wings. It's crazy. Um, 
And he's having this glimpse of this. And then these creatures that could just take any of us and just do, you know, just split us in half in a second. They're just ridiculous piece. Say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty who was and is to come. And these creatures, which are singing holy, 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 they're singing this like song. And holy means to be totally separate from. He is, uh, God is separated from everything sinful. Thus he is pure. God is also separate from everything that is created. Thus he is transcendent and indefinitely superior to all that exists. God's holiness points to his transcendent beauty. So these creatures beyond all of our, uh, we can't even fully imagine them, are saying, hey, this, this, this man is way above and beyond everything that we could think. He's totally, he's transcendent above. Um, and then we transition from this encounter, and he, John sees these creatures that we can't even barely imagine. And then he says, whenever the four living creatures give glory and honor, and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Uh, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Hey. That is intense. Um, the worth of Jesus begins in the uncreated eternal realm. When God, uh, where God, before everything, before there was any earth, before anything, he was the absolute reality. And this is what they're saying right here. For all created things, you were there and you existed and you were before them all. In this absolute reality of just God, he was delighting in himself within the three persons of who he was. The father delighted in the absolute reflection of himself in the second person of the Trinity. And the second person of the Trinity delighted and reflected back himself all, all of his glory and beauty. While the spirit, the spirit, the Holy Spirit was bearing witness between the two. So here's God and Jesus or this to understand the Trinity is something interesting. Uh, <laughs> this the Holy Spirit is singing, bearing witness between the two of the essence of the love of them each other. Out of the overflow of this delight of this Godhead, that's they're sitting there having this beautiful, ridiculous communion. They delighted, and then God says he desires. And then the Son said, let there be light. And the cosmos, everything that we know and understand, we're out of the desire of God was born in form from the smallest organism to the to the greatest biggest thing we can think of it's interesting if you look at science Joanna in particular she's like I'm afraid of the ocean or I'll like kind of mess with her sometimes because uh, she's big expanses like scare her a little bit you know it's like that so I'll be like guess what Joanna will be sitting out like at the fire pit look up you know, it keeps on going and 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 going. The fact that, like, if you ever see those, like, graphics where they have the star and then the star and the star, the smallness that we are and all of that, all of known creation is still such, like, a small little thing to God. And in his desire, he just created it. It's out of the love and community he had, he said, I desired 
He desired, yeah, he desired me, he desired you, so he created. Hey. Whew. Ah. Creation was born out of the desire and delight of the Godhead. Jesus is the eternal word of God by which the cosmos were made. To him belongs the singular glory of being first, having always been, and ever, and being preceded by no one. Look at John here. It's this, this is just like a small picture of John's just trying to give us a little glimpse. Of it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So the quantity, the value of Jesus right here is just getting, just starting. His longevity, he's before all things, he's through all things. And then in Colossians, the work. To do the whole verse or just uh, yeah, I'll have to probably hit it when it comes. Uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 17. Uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Sweet. All creation. Uh, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him are all things are held together. He is, the, these four living creatures and the, the elders, the 24 elders, they're falling before him and saying, look at this one that is before everything. All the cosmos are just a small little amount compared to this, this God that we worship. And then John kind of goes into this whirlwind. If you read through the book of Revelation, it's all a whirlwind, but 4 and 5 is very interesting. And 4, the interesting thing is John's describing 4 right here, and we have complete access to that. Right now, we could just sit and pray, and the Lord has completely accessed us into this reality. This is happening literally right now. There is a place where there's four living creatures saying, Holy, 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 holy. This is why the nations sing. This morning at Hillside in this small little valley, we just joined in a song that was happening. In Japan, the sun started rising over the Pacific Ocean. In Japan, the churches of Japan started singing, Worthy, worthy, worthy. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. And then into to China and the underground church and through Australia and through that we're joining in that song. And to, through the Middle East, there's this, uh, in the end of Revelation, the spirit and the bride say come. And then it, the sun went over Africa and over the Middle East and uh, the churches of these nations woke up in the morning with this one joined song saying, Jesus, you are worthy. And all of creation, there's these four living creatures all at the same time saying, holy, 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 holy. And then the sun rose up over the Atlantic Ocean. And then we all, uh, after drooling on our beds, decided, okay, I guess I got to get up now. And we're so I guess we're going to go to church this morning. And we started singing and joining this choir that's been already happening for hours before and we're joining this song of the ecclesia or the bride of christ saying hey we agree holy 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 come lord and then we have this jealous song of heaven that's about to unfold in five that 
Chapter 5 of Book of Revelation is super dramatic. It's very interesting. Um, it's very interesting. But so in the Book of Revelation, uh, in Chapter 4, we uh, are participating in this moment right now. And then in 5, we're still participating in the moment. I believe like the cross is kind of like Jesus says, it is finished. And then we're in between the it is finished and it is done. The Lord is m still working. So the book of uh, Revelation is still like parts of five, I believe, are done. And it's like he's still writing those seals or still pulling it out. We're still working in that it is done. This is why, join me, and we're so many people, we're passionate to see people join this song. Um, that's the, the mercy of the Lord to the nations to say, hey, join this song. Um, so chapter five is this, it is this kind of in between this, it is finished moment into, into the, it is done moment completely. Um, and it's a very real, like, uh, um, chapter five is a very real moment. Um, I think it fully happened. G uh, John didn't just have this like, oh, this is a cool vision. It's like this fully happened in heaven. Um, so we're just going to go slowly through five. Um, okay, cool. Sorry, I'm getting like used to this thing. Um, Gotta get used to the clicker. So we're gonna just start at. Uh, if you guys want to read through your Bibles with me, um, we're gonna start verse by verse, kind of reading through this story or this encounter that John has. And then, um, so five chapter uh, chapter five verse one. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on a throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. So we'll just stop there. Um, We'll just look at this. So on the right hand of him, this is God, there is a scroll. And this scroll, I would say, is, I think it's kind of the, the action plan for the restoration of all things. Um, you, you kind of read through chapter 6 and gets into certain details, but it really is the seal. It's the restoration of all things sitting in the hand of the Father, and it's the title and the deed of earth. So this scroll is a, a pretty major thing. Um, Actually, the, the earth belongs to the Lord and yet is being currently ruled by an evil one in conjunction with men. So we had Adam that gave up the right of earth. Um, and so the earth is being restored in rebellion. Or there's been this rebellion on earth. So the Lord came and said, hey, here's the deed. This is what you have. And now he, the Lord is restoring the earth, essentially. Um, so that's the synopsis of the gospel in a really quick voice. Uh, <laughs> um, Yes. Um, so this scroll is kind of like the battle plan, what he's going to do uh, on earth. It's the restoration plan. Um, and, th and it is written in a way where it's set in stone. Um, the, the, the seal, or it is written, is saying that the Lord has written it, and it will not change. The seal is what it is. This is how it is going to be. God in his righteousness would not revoke his word. In order for the restoration of all things to happen— and the reconciliation of heaven and earth, God said he would find another man to give this dominion to. And this is where, um, well, now we all know Jesus, but in this encounter, we're going to go through it. It's like, you have to almost like look at this, like we don't fully know Jesus, like um, to understand the emotion and the reality of what is happening. Um, and this would be a man who would have no agreement with the evil one at all, a man that would always obey the Father, uh, a man that would give, um, to this man, God would give all the governments of the earth and complete rule over all people. If you read the Old Testament, and there's part of the challenge with the Jewish people is they didn't fully understand Jesus because they saw 
these Old Testament prophets are saying, hey, he's going to be a total ruler. Um, and I believe this is this age we're in is we're in between that area where he's like, I've claimed the deed. And now when we have him come back, he's like, now I'm fully sitting as a man on earth um, and I will be ruler. Um, and we're in between that place. So this uh, Revelation 5.1, he saw at the right hand this scroll, um, which is the restoration plan. And it is written. He will not change it. And this is how it is. And it's sealed. Um, and then we'll go to chapter uh, 5, verse 2. See if there it is. Good. Sorry, I've got to use this as a clicker. <laughs> and I, then we'll go verse 2. And I saw a mighty, a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? And we'll go verse 3. I'll just do verse 3. Does it work? Yes. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and look into it. I'll stick right there. So this is a major drama. So here's this heavenly moment where you got to realize they're not like fully understanding who Jesus, where we live in this reality that we're like, we know Jesus, but this, this is like, there's no vision of Jesus in this vision yet. There, there's this reality that the whole earth is under the rebellion of, or under the control of Satan. And there's this angel saying, who can do this? And then he's like, okay, let's start a look. Who in heaven? So in heaven, there's the, we just read in the last chapters, these four living creatures that could do anything. They're just massive creatures. Um, and they're not worthy. They're not able to do it. No one, no other creature in heaven in all created order could take the place that God designated for his image bearers. Um, it had to be a man. So no one in heaven could do it on earth. Okay, so... Their search expands to earth. The spirit of the Lord searches the hearts and minds of men. And no king, no president, no physicist, scholar, general, no one, the strongest and brightest of the earth and the most powerful people, the greatest technology, the greatest humanitarians, the largest churches, no one could reconcile this. Reconcile. Um, no one is able to open the scroll. And then under the earth, the, the search continues. Uh, it goes through history, the greatest minds throughout history. Einstein, Newton, all these people, um, Gandhi, Plato, I mean, the apostles. No one uh, was able to open this scroll, this restoration plan. So John is seeing this thing, these, these heavenly creatures saying, who can restore earth? Who can create, um, bring this restoration? Who can open the scroll? And no one, through all of heaven, starts searching, and no one is find uh, able. And John is at this moment where he's encountering this, seeing this, if we can imagine that at all. Um, and he is face-to-face -face with the depravity of man. Uh, there is ex the extreme depravity in man that no one was found worthy. And this truth starts crushing his soul. Um, how could the Father restore things, uh, restore all things, remove Satan and demonic the hordes and the and the injustice and bring all things to newness. Um, John is in a place where all hope is lost, and we go into the next verse. It says, "I began to weep loudly." So you just imagine this encounter where John is seeing this scroll, seeing that there is no hope, and not knowing or having a vision of Jesus at this moment. He just begins to weep, weep at the depravity of man. So. This is a dramatic story we're having here. And uh, so we'll go to the next verse. Sweet. 
Okay, and then we'll go to verse 5. Um, and one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So one of the 24 elders speaks up at this moment. Um, 24 elders, he, he is a kind of a man in some sense. But there, um, he's saying there is a man. There's this Jewish man from the tribe of Judah. He's a lion. He's a Jewish lion. He has prevailed, and he's prevailed over death. He's prevailed over Satan. He paid the price for our sin. He is worthy to open the scroll. He can en be entrusted with all the resources of the uncreated God. And this is part of the reason why we say, uh, when we sing in Sunday morning, like, worthy are you, Lord, we're pretty much saying, hey, I know absolute power corrupts. Ab absolute power absolutely corrupts. And we're saying, hey, Jesus, you're worthy because absolute power doesn't corrupt you. And so I trust your governance, essentially, is what we're singing. So this morning when we're singing, worthy are you, Lord, we're pretty much saying, hey, Jesus, you gave me a little bit of money this week. I don't really know how to steward it like you do. You are worthy of control. Um, so just a little glimpse into the what we're singing Sunday morning. So in this, uh, maybe I should keep on reading. Yeah, we'll read chapter, uh, verse 6. And then, uh, in between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw the lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So here's John. This one of the four living creatures says, hey, there's man. So he starts looking and peering for him. He's peering into this inapproachable light, trying to locate who this elder, who, who can he be talking about? Uh, and the elder, interestingly, says he doesn't point to the throne. He, you think Jesus is on the throne. He points towards, um, points um, in the midst of the elders. And John turns to look at him, and John sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. If you look at this, he looks in this little lamb standing, and though it has been slain. He turns and points in their midst, and John looks, and he does not see a, a conquering queen, but he sees an intercessor, a servant of all among the elders. He's in the midst of the elders, serving his brother in the midst of the elders. He stood a lamb. In uh, Luke, it says, uh, And he said to them, The kings and the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those in authority, sorry, I'm trying to figure out this clicker thing, guys. Um, I'll start at the beginning. And he said to them, the kings and the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one that reclines at the table, but I am among you as one who serves. So we see this Jesus in this heavenly moment sitting amongst the elders, serving and loving. And then we see in his nature right here, it says in the next part of that verse, it says, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. 
So it's like he has seven horns, seven eyes, and these are the seven spirits of God, which is one of the Holy Spirit's seven manifestations. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of fear of the Lord, the spirit of power, and the spirit of might, etc. But so we're seeing this God, seeing Jesus with the Holy Spirit demonstrating his power through servanthood. And then let's go to verse 7. And and then in verse 7 it says, um, And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And then he took the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. We'll just stop there. I guess we're going well, I can do it in verse 10. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open the seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests, made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So we got to get, <laughs> yeah, this is an intense scene. So there's this Jewish man, Jesus, that walked up to Father and took the scroll out of the Father's hands. And you got to think, like, no one's going to take, this is, this is, this, this, God is the one that created the whole universe holding the scroll. No guy is going to be walking up to this guy and taking this scroll and this title. Nobody does. This is a, an intense scene here that we have. Um, and this is a man, Jesus fully man, able to walk up. I mean, just the reality of Jesus itself is mind-boggling. We've got to realize that God took on flesh and walked on earth. And for some reason, earth just didn't explode. You know, the glory of God, for, just out of his mercy and grace, that, that flesh could contain that. And he's still fully man. To this day, his robes still are of the incense of myrrh, his, his burial smell. He still has the holes in his hand. He's still fully man. And there's not this reality that Jesus left and he just became this ambient being that we, very often we think of this heavenly reality of like angels with diapers and harps. And it's, that's not really the, the picture. We have this Jesus, this man that's fully a man still, still in his complete form and he's in this heaven in this picture this man with holes in his hands with uh, uh, walking up to this and taking that scroll we're seeing the moment that transaction that happened last week we celebrated that the the rebirth of g or the coming back to life of jesus and this moment is kind of like we're seeing that transaction of what happened the heavenly reality of what happened at that moment so there's we got to realize that this man just walked up to him and took the scroll and at this taking the scroll the dominion that adam gave up was then was subjected to the darkness and the fall it was purchased it, it, jesus was taking this as a purchase saying hey i purchased this um and with that same desire and john last week one of my i was just praying before the lord and one of the had a sweet i was reading john 13 and it talks about in the beginning of john 13 he says um I am paraphrasing this. I didn't write this down, but it's pretty much like the beginning of John 13. He knew what he was about to do. He fully knew in the beginning. And he's saying, knowing that he's going to the cross, 
he didn't um and in light of that he kept his love he fully loved them and walked with them so we're seeing jesus being a man being fully in love with us knowing exactly what he's doing this passion that he had and the, when the cosmos and he was having this communion with god and in his desire created all creation in this same moment that same desire um he was saying i am purchasing these people so john uh john seventeen twenty four. that same desire explained right here father i desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where i am to see my glory which glory means to see the insides. Like glory is almost a nasty word in the sense if you're like a surgical, you're like seeing the insides, the deep intimacy. So Jesus is saying, I want them to see the, the interior of my nature, um, my being. I want them to see the fullness of me um, and seeing that you've given uh, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the earth. In this transaction, we're seeing that earth has now been fully given over to this man that purchased with the perfect blood, who has redeemed all things. And now um, now the creator has also become the rightful inheritor of all things, uh, a greater and more perfect Adam in that every tribe and tongue. And then we start getting through the rest of the uh, book of Revelation, and it's like heaven realizes fully what's happening here. So we have Jesus... This is a moment where we see Jesus went on the cross. He uh, ascended to hell, took every the scroll, and took this the scroll. And we're seeing this heavenly interaction happen here. Um, we'll just keep reading there. So then, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering the myriads upon myriads and the thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, Saying with a loud voice. Sorry, guys. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So we have that transaction. All of heaven is shouting and erupts with a glorious, unrestrained, wild worship at this revelation of what just happened. So when we woke up this morning, we're joining in this wild unrestrained moment we we last week was a celebration of this moment that we're seeing right here then and i heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. We see this is this is such a I mean, I would encourage you guys just to go home this weekend and read through this. Um this is the book of Revelation is thick, but this is such a amazing moment that we get to look into. This moment is what we're we're participating in with right now. We get to every morning say, Jesus, you are worthy. You pay there is nothing more valuable than him. It's good to have a lot of value. It's good to value family, but what does really family go back to saying, hey, Jesus, like you purchased my family. Philippians 2. It's not up there. It's fine. I'll just read it. Um, oh, music. <laughs> 
We're about to enter Revelation 5 right now, guys. No. <laughs> uh, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, one of my favorite verses. Who is though, uh, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hey. There is no greater why. There is nothing more valuable than this this man, this man Jesus. He created all things. He's before all things. He's through all things. He is the author of beauty. And he came and purchased us because of this deep desire for us. If you want some fuel to go through change, look upon him. Remember, there's such a value to slow down in life. Um, I'm a big-time disciple right now, Pete Scazzaro, and a big part of his uh, discipleship is slowing down or taking a daily rhythm of your life to take moments in your life when you slow down and just breathe in and listen and say, hey, Jesus, I love you. Hey, what do you want to say? This reality, we need to look on this reality of who this king is, who this Jesus is. And this is why our motivation is for our whole organization. We want to see every nation sing, we're really into the Great Commission. But the primary fuel for what we do as our community is the worth and the beauty of this man. When you're consumed and you see those eyes of fire and you realize, Hey, he purchased me. This is real. This is a true story. I am participating. Revelation 4 is happening right now. If you have a bad day, slow down and just think of that moment. You're going to get a little encouraged. I'll tell you that right now. And this is the motivation why you can make it through change. It's the hows. We often, we, we in church, we get caught up in like, this is how we do church, and this is how we do it, and this is what we do, which is really good, but the hows always need to point back to the why. They always have a foundation on that why. Why do we come to church on Sunday morning? It's to grow in the revelation of this man, Jesus, to grow in communion with who he is and what he's done for us. This is the why we want every nation to join in this song. There's nothing, there's no thing more valuable. There's no man, there's nothing on heaven and on earth more valuable than this king. I want, a, I want to love my kids well. I want my family to thrive because I want them to see this man, Jesus. Every motivation needs to come back down to these, these whys. So I want to encourage you. This part of it, I just want us to look up on Jesus together. I hope you guys are blessed by seeing a little glimpse of what John saw. Just a little glimpse is all we really need. And this is our motivation to see Malachi 1.11, to see Matthew 24.14 reality, see the gospel proclaimed to the ends of the earth. So I just want to pray for you guys. If you guys want to stand up. I hope it's encouraged you guys. Amen.
Earlier, as Mara was saying, a spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation, spirit of wisdom, open our eyes to see. Open our eyes to see who you are, Jesus. Spirit of wisdom, open our eyes to see the fullness of you, Jesus. And the spirit of revelation, open our hearts that we may receive you, Jesus. Father, I just pray over this house as this as this is a new season of change and movement that that we would have a, a, a fresh baptism of who you are, a fresh grace to look and gaze upon the beauty of this man, a fresh anchor of who this King Jesus is, that we'll be able to walk through those storms, that when change comes, that we'll be able to slow down and say, hey, Jesus, I thank you. You are worthy. I give you control, and I let you have, because you were able to walk through it all, so I know you can do it. Hey, you died, and that was the proclamation of your ability, your, your rulership. So I say yes to you, Jesus. Father, we ask, I just ask over this house a fresh grace, a fresh vision of who you are, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you. We just thank you, Father. Father, I just ask over any, I just felt in particular, um, this morning I was saying during prayer, there's a, I woke up this morning, I said the head, shoulders, knees, and toes, and I felt like the Lord was even just prophetically saying that he wants to, and Lisa was saying there's an activation, an activation of the gifts, but an activation of this, really the moving of the Spirit upon your lives. And I'm just praying that like, Holy Spirit, I just pray for an activation of gifts and assignments and purpose, Father. Lord, I thank you that this house will be able to gaze upon you in a, uh, like never before, Jesus. That as they look upon and look at this beautiful one, this king, that there, there will be a clarity of assignment and purpose, Father. Lord, I just pray against the ones that just feel like they've been wandering aimlessly or they just like, I don't really know exactly what I'm doing. I'm not sure my assignment we thank you, Jesus, that a glimpse of who you are can bring clarity. We thank you, Jesus, just for the clarity of assignment and purpose in lives and hearts in Jesus' name. And, Father, just an activation of gifts, Father. Lord, I just pray forth that the, the, the light of your uh, countenance would just shine brightly out of this house in Jesus' name. Lord, I just want you guys to agree. We say, Jesus, come move in this valley, Father. Lord. This, this revelation for moment, Lord, let it come, come as it is in heaven here on earth in this valley in Jesus' name. Lord, we call for churches to be awakened, Father, that they'll be joining in the song that all of earth and heaven sings, Father. Let there be a fresh grace and a fresh revelation of who you are, Jesus. We just bless you, Jesus. We thank you that we just get to sit and gaze upon your beauty in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Should I release? And Okay. Awesome. Bless you, guys. Oh, yes. I invite you guys to stay. Uh, we're doing a meal and kind of showing an awesome movie. We made a movie 2018 about kind of what we do. In the Middle East, give some testimonies. And so you guys can kind of connect and hear the story of what God is doing in the nations more. And just connect with us and 
Yeah, we bless you guys. I love you guys. Jesus, shine your light. Let your peace be upon them and their coming and goings in Jesus' name. We just encourage you, if you want some prayer, you're like, hey, the Holy Spirit's touching me. You can come up here. I'll, I would love to pray for you and just bless you. I love connecting with people. I do give good hugs, and I love people. So bless you guys. Have a good week in Jesus' name. Amen.